On episode 323 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to overcome adversity and develop a winning mindset with Coach Peter Smith. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, I hope you're having a great day and improving your tennis game as much as possible. Today's episode is a great one. We have an interview that I did a while back with Coach Peter Smith, who is currently the general manager slash director of tennis for the Jack Kramer Club in Rolling Hills, California. You may also have heard of him from his incredible college tennis coaching career. He guided the University of Southern California's men's tennis team to five NCAA championships and has notched over 600 wins in his college coaching career. He was also a two-time ITA National Coach of the Year and five-time Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Coach Smith on this interview talks about a lot of great aspects of tennis that you'll really want to concentrate and take in and and improve yourself upon, including uh, the principles that he used to guide his players to the top of the rankings, why it's more important to develop great people first and top tennis players second. Uh, routines that you can implement in your day-to-day to perform your best, uh, what sports besides tennis you can play to become, become a better athlete and overcoming the toughest moments in Coach Smith's career and much more. So really hope that you enjoy this one. Definitely the most underrated part of tennis is the, the mental game. And you know part of that obviously is just overcoming losses and uh, tough moments and just having that positive confident winning mindset. So definitely think this is a good one for you to help level up your tennis game. So hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's my interview with Coach Peter Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls podcast. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have Coach Peter Smith on the podcast. He is obviously a coaching legend, uh, as you've heard in the intro, and we're going to get into just, you know, how He's impacted so many players and uh, get, we'll get into a lot of tips to help you improve your game as well as uh, some of his coaching on the Pro Tour. So uh, Coach Smith, really excited to have you on. Thanks so much for taking the time today to be on the podcast. My pleasure. I know we've been trying to work this out and uh, I'm glad it all worked out and glad to be here and uh, chat with you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Coach Smith. Uh, me too as well. I know you're a busy guy and appreciate the time. So. Um, you know, I've, I've done some research on you, obviously, to prepare, and I saw that you had written an article uh, where you focused on making your sons great people who play tennis instead of making them great tennis players. So I was wondering what principles in particular uh, you taught your sons uh, to achieve this goal of yours? Well, you know, first of all, like, I just feel like tennis is such a a challenging sport uh, because it's something you play by yourself. And I think there are so many lessons learned 
in tennis that you can apply to life because you know it's it's actually in comparing other sports it's actually a very fair sport because at the end of the day you decide what's happening out there a coach doesn't always do that certainly at a college level sometimes the coach gets involved but it usually it's pretty black and white you play a tournament you train hard that usually goes over to your performance and you know you don't get the nod to start here or pulled out of the game here usually when you're on the court it's it's just you and i think tennis is a very hard game to make a living out of and i looked at you know how can my kids get the most out of this really this incredible sport that can teach you so much so i you know i think with most kids that I work with, I always make parallels to to life. And, you know, life isn't always fair. Uh, life is a lot about how hard you work, what kind of attitude you have, what are you putting forth? What's your body language? What's your mindset? Are you positive? Are you negative? Things like that. All those things which are so important to tennis have to equate towards who you are as a person. That was really never explained to me as a, a young person. So not with just my kids, and I think that was the slant of the article, um, but everyone I've tried to coach is I try and make those parallels, you know, towards, you know, communicating, working hard, showing up with the right mindset, those things. And that will make you successful in life. You know, we probably have five, ten professional athletes in the United States. It's a, it's the play tennis. You know, it's a very hard sport to make a living out of. So, it better be a gateway to something bigger. Um, and that's that was always my goal with it. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, a lot of times in in other life projects, uh, when I'm you know struggling with it, I kind of think back. You know, how did I approach it from a tennis standpoint? Uh, how did I succeed? on the tennis court and then you apply those lessons to uh, whatever you're doing in life. So really, really love hearing that. And uh, Coach Smith, you mentioned that, you know, the principles that you were teaching your your children, like you hadn't been privy to those, uh, you know, earlier on at least. So, I mean, how and at what point did you end up learning these principles? Yeah, you know, I mean... For me, I started coaching at a very young age. I had to figure out a lot of things on my own, you know, and that's kind of how our generation was brought up. Uh, you know, our parents, in, in, in a great way, you know, I think for my generation of parenting, I think we try and do too much for our kids. Um, you know, yeah. I had a paper route at a very young age. Uh, you know, certainly I'd help sometimes with that, but you know, I got up in the morning in Connecticut and I had to deliver the papers, whether it was, you know, below zero or not. And so you learn some lessons there. But, you know, 10 years into it, I, I realized that, you know, I have to help these kids a lot more than maybe just what's in front of them and what lessons can they be, learn out of this. And of course, when you have your own children, you learn a lot more about life. Uh, your kids humble you always, right? They, 
you know, and, but you learn really the real meaning of life and that it's a lot more important than the win today or the great practice today or, or whatever. And, and you've got to just expand that, those teachings to help them, you know, in every area of life. Yeah, 100%, uh, Coach Smith. And, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting to ask you about your uh, experience as a, a quite a young coach, uh, you know, in the collegiate world. But just wanted to actually kind of uh, delve into how did you first get into uh, the game of tennis? How were you introduced uh, and what was your first experience like? Well, I was the youngest of five kids, um, uh, much younger than my next sibling, uh, six and a half years. Uh, we were living in Italy and my mom wanted to have a, a baby girl and you know so she's maybe but uh you know that's life and i grew up my dad played tennis my older brothers played tennis and we had a little paddle uh court in our driveway it was a perfect dimensions for a paddle court and lived in connecticut so i was about 13 14 years old and you know, I was playing a ton of different sports, but, you know, I was, I was going around following my older brother to his clinics and, and just, you know, just being a little brother. And so uh, when we moved out to Southern Cal uh, in ninth grade, I really just forgot about all the other sports and just really focused on tennis. We moved to La Costa and I had the incredible privilege to be around Pancho Segura and and have a lot of life lessons through people like Poncho and Bobby Riggs and Lorne Kuhl and, you know, the, the crazy atmosphere of La Costa that, that presented itself. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an amazing experience there. And, uh, you know, you mentioned previously, uh, speaking of multiple sports that you said that you played, that it's important to play actually multiple sports to become a good athlete. Uh, and that kind of reminds me of David Ep Epstein's book, Range, which I read recently, where he compares, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, which is the classic case of, you know, just specialization from a young age to actually Roger Federer, who played multiple sports. Uh, at a young age. So I was wondering if, you know, there are any particular sports that you think are, that you maybe you suggest us amateurs and whoever else to play that might actually translate pretty well to becoming an overall uh, better athlete, uh, especially obviously with respect to playing better tennis. Well, I, I mean, you know, the sport that everyone plays outside of the U.S. is soccer. Uh, I played soccer as a kid. I played it very poorly. And, and probably didn't like it because of that. My kids played soccer, but my oldest two didn't really like it. My youngest, Coulter, really loved it because he got to hit people. Uh, I didn't want him to play football, but he loved physical contact. And <clears throat> I really came to really appreciate soccer, watching him play all the years he played. Um, I think the American version kind of is basketball. You know, I think both of those work on footwork and movement. And, you know, I think more so than anything, soccer teaches real toughness. You know, every practice, he's probably running five to seven miles of sprints and intervals. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's really a physical game. And, you know, for, for people that haven't had really watched soccer to, to understand how physical that sport is, even at eight, nine, ten years old was – was a real eye opener to me, but all of those sports, you know, teach that is so important to tennis. And I just think, you know, so many times kids are focusing on tennis and 
if you really focus on tennis, you can have a great 12 and under ranking. And, but the 12 and under and 14 under ranking is pretty meaningless by the time you get to when tennis starts really mattering, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I think looking at a lot of the great American players, um, they, they all kind of played other sports. And, uh, you know, that athleticism that is taught in those other sports really kicks in when tennis becomes more of a power and movement game, which it does at, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Great stuff again, coach Smith. Yeah. You know, I, I think to that as well, I wish when I was younger that I'd played more sports, you know, particular, you know, I felt like my serve could have benefited if I had played, you know, baseball or been a quarterback with a throwing motion and also my movement could have been a little better, uh, more efficient. So, uh, great points there. So, you know, you speak about your uh, your sons, uh, so Riley, Tanner, and Coulter, and a uh, pretty funny quote that, uh, you know, I think you've been asked about before, but you said that coaching them is uh, basically 90% bliss and then 10% hell. So I was wondering uh, what types of things you did to to kind of limit the hell part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like playing tennis. You, you got to focus on the positives. And, you know, we've had so many incredible memories, and I feel so fortunate that I was so close to them and uh, had had such a you know important impact in their lives, and that our relationship today is so intact and and so healthy. Uh, but you know, I had some examples of kids you know coming to play for me, in the, and I I just said I was never going to uh, put our relationship on their on the line for tennis and uh i wanted to to just you know make it as a, a as great of an experience as possible um but you know <laughs> most of the time after you coach someone so long especially your kids and i think kids are are wired to disagree with their parents and i i, I explain that to a lot of the parents of the kids that i coach like hey it, it's their job to actually try and disagree with you and and find the right way and you know, my dad didn't really like show me the ropes. He he let me figure it out himself. So when my kids were born, I'm like, oh, great. My kids will be a million times better than me because I'll tell them and I'll help them. And I realized that in some ways I was hurting them by by helping them so much and that they had to, to gain this independence. And that is part of the process of them growing up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they know what I'm thinking even before I say it. Um, body language is incredibly important when you're dealing with kids, especially your kids and your coaching kids, but your own children know your body language. And I, I've always said that my kids knew exactly what I was going to say before I said it and actually had the response already presented to them before I even spoke a word. So, you know, they were just and after a while, they they get tired of hearing it. So I, I spend a lot of time just asking them questions. What are you thinking here? What are you feeling? You know, and and let them try and figure it out themselves and come up with it themselves. Uh, but yeah, we we've had some funny moments. I'm sure they can uh, mimic me pretty well on a tennis court, as as others have done also. But you know, all in good time. I mean, you know, you, you don't understand life till you you have children and and the and that's for all the parents out there. Every parent goes through the same thing. It's it's uh, 
it's the most challenging and the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life. Yeah, and you've uh, clearly uh, done a great job. So, Coach Smith, so you um, mentioned body language uh, and how important that is, uh, whether it's with your kids or uh, with your um, students or uh, your players. So, uh, what are a couple examples of body language? Just generally, you know, what are some times or what are some things that you did, you know, instinctively that maybe you had to actually hold back on and tell yourself, oh, this is actually not the proper way to present myself in terms of body language? Well, everybody fails. I, I fail every single day. And, you know, everybody is a work in progress. And we're all trying for me, I'm always just trying to become the best version of myself. And, and that usually starts by getting some exercise in the morning, clearing the head. Like I said earlier, you know, I've, I have two dogs that, you know, uh, that are just the greatest. And, you know, we usually go on a run or a long walk in the morning and, you know, express gratitude for exactly what I have. But, you know, tennis is, is a, is a very imprecise game, uh, you know, that will never be perfect. Uh, so I've always said it's an imperfect game played by imperfect humans, right? Uh, there's, there's not many perfect tennis matches where a guy walks out on the court and plays a match and doesn't lose a point or doesn't make an unforced error. You know, my mom used to always tell me life is not fair. And how you respond to those situations is, is so important to how you go on with life. Uh, so that's, that's incredibly important. So you're going to make mistakes on the court. You're absolutely going to make mistakes and you better have a good reaction to them because if you have a bad reaction to them, the chance of you repeating those mistakes are going to just keep increasing and increasing and increasing. So what people don't realize is your outside can tell your inside what's going on. And at the end of the day, you're in control. As hard as that might appear to be, as, as tough as that is when you miss an easy volley or an overhead or an easy forehand or whatever, you have to have the correct mindset to know that you can do the right things. And, you know, after years of experience, uh, you know, success for myself on the tennis court, success with my teams and watching them succeed, you just learn that your mindset has to be to draw in on the correct way you wanna go about it out there. Because you can think, oh, I missed that shot, but after a while, you remember how to hit it, and you got to visualize the correct way to hit it, and you visualize it being successful. And I think having success with myself in my game, uh, which happened later in life, and watching my team's success, I was, I'm always able to draw upon that when I'm coaching or when I'm playing myself. And I still love to play the game. You know, I feel like I play it every single day and really enjoy it and love to be competitive. But you have to be able to draw on the correct memories and correct way to go about it. And too many people you know, have that right confidence or, 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 or just that correct visualization or mindset going into whatever they need to do on the court. 
Yeah, that's amazing uh, advice there, Coach Smith. Uh, a lot to unpack. Uh, one thing that you mentioned that I was interested in is the uh, routines. And, you know, uh, you mentioned how important that is. Uh, you know, for me, is you know, life-changing, actually, ever since I've, uh, you know, for years now, I've been, uh, you know, you wake up, I, I, I put a glass of cold water and then exercise immediately, uh, shower, meditate, um, journal. Like, those things are really helpful for me. So I was wondering, you know, A, what, particular routines you mentioned a couple but what you know what routines or routine do you have in the morning or and also alternatively uh what are maybe some routines that uh you've had your players do that have really helped them also well for me uh unfortunately or fortunately however you want to say it or go about it <laughs> i'm an early riser i wake up extremely early in the morning uh and always have um so you know for me <laughs> And this was developed later in life from one of my great assistants, uh, George Husack. Uh, you know, just enjoy a nice cup of coffee, watch the news, wake up, you know, take my dogs on a, a, a nice walk. Uh, lately, I've, you know, with this craziness in the world right now, go on a great pel Peloton ride, mm -hmm. you know, just start that day, just getting all of that, clearing your head just going about it, just showing real appreciation for everything that uh, I have in the world. And, and you know, I, I always feel like I'm one of the most blessed and richest persons in the world uh, because of, of what I have. And, and that's, that kind of sets the stage. For tennis, like preparing my teams, you know, we always did the same thing before every match. Um, you know, just getting on that routine. I, I would, I would tell them the first match of the year, like, hey, we're going to do the same exact routine that we're going to have uh, today. We'll have in the finals of the NCAAs, and we have to have the correct mindset. And being loose and enjoying and all of that, you know, is, is so important. Uh, but, you know, so rituals come into in effect when, when we're serving, when we're returning always do the exact same thing every time, you know, whether it's one or two bounces, whatever, and then, you know, go about it. You know, for me, when I, when I serve, I do one bounce, you know, set, visualize, hit. So it's a, it's a very practice swing backhand, practice swing forehand, get down, you know, then I know I'm going to step and split and just let everything take over. Mm-hmm. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Appreciate that, Coach Smith. So 
Um, you know, I know obviously that you're very well known for uh, your coaching prowess, but uh, you know, I'm not sure how many people know that you actually played professionally for I think uh, about 15 months, and you competed at the U.S. Open in Wimbledon. So, just want to ask you uh, what that experience was like, how it impacted you, and then um, I guess obviously uh, you know the reason why it just spanned 15 months or so. Yeah, well, you know, you you it spanned 15 months because. I didn't do well enough. <laughs> that's uh, that's it. You know, I played the qualifying at Wimbledon and U.S. Open, and those are incredible experiences. And, you know, I, I probably, you know, should have played more. I was like 360 in the world a little over a year, and I remember losing to Michael Chang. He was a young young kid at the time, uh, a little bit before. I was very happy, and when a month later, when he won a round at the U.S. Open. Uh, it took some of the grief off me, but I was like, Michael, you know, grew up down the street from me. And I was like, well, I lost in the neighborhood kid. You know, I, maybe I should be doing something else. And, you know, I went back and got my degree and, you know, was fortunate enough that Long Beach State incredibly offered me the head coaching job. But, uh, yeah, my my career was brief. Uh, I wouldn't call it a career. My My traveling and playing professionally and and making some pocket changes brief, but, you know, like I said, I've, I've had this incredible journey in life and, you know, I've, I've gotten to know so many uh, professional tennis players and, you know, it's, some of them are, are not the happiest guys and it's, it's a really tough life. And so, you know, having success in your sport doesn't equate to happiness. And I just always, for me, wanted my the people that I was in charge of or was just to have success and be happy. Yeah. Uh, great point there. And yeah, what you're doing has to align with your, your value set. Otherwise you're not going to be very pleased, but, uh, you know, a lot of respect obviously to you for making the call, um, fairly relatively early on that, uh, you wanted to, uh, pursue something else. And this is what I'm really interested in particularly is, um, you know, you becoming, I think, still the youngest Division One men's tennis coach at age 23 at uh, Long Beach State with the, the 49ers. So, I mean, what was it like coaching uh, a team whose seniors were maybe like a year younger than you? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, that first year coaching is probably one of my most special years. Um, I coached 12 guys on the team and six of them have been my teammates. So if you can imagine all the crazy things you do with your teammates in college, that had to quickly come to an end. And, you know, I told them two things, a, I'm never going out with you guys again. And B, you can't call me Peter. And they're like, well, you weren't that much fun anyway. So who cares? We don't need to go out with you. And, and you're, you're crazy. We're not calling you coach. And I said, well, you're not calling me Peter. I said, I'm not going to respond to it. We got to have some separation here. And uh, so they came up with a, with a version and they called me Co. So it was kind of a nickname, um, short for coach, obviously. And, you know, to this day, some of them still call me Co. So, and, and actually my, my kids, when they played for me, called me Co sometimes. And it, it, was, a, it was something I, I always really liked. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a real change to go from, you know, being their buddy and things like that to now, you know, having to make really important decisions about their, their college. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, surely you must have had some, you know, fears or insecurities. So I was curious to ask you if you, you know, what those might have been if if you weren't, you know, super overconfident or anything like that. Well, you know, sometimes, I, you know, for me, I I didn't really think long term. Uh, mm. You know, I think one of the the great things in in my life is I am always fairly idealistic. And I always have a very positive outlook on life. And when I wake up each morning, uh, I'm really ready just to tackle that that day. Mm. And uh, I lost my brother when he was 36 years old. Uh, I was 26. He was 36. He was my first coach. And, and that really impacted me way beyond anything else that had ever happened to me. And, and it still impacts me. And, you know, I realized that his life was cut so short. And so, you know, it's whatever I have in front of me is a gift that my brother Kevin would have loved to have had. And so whatever I'm facing uh, can't be as bad as it it really appears. And, And the fact that I'm alive and able to do it is a blessing. So that had a real impact on me. And I, I tried very, very hard to turn what was, you know, still is probably the worst thing that ever happened to our family and to us into as positive as it could be. And I, I know Kevin would have wanted it that way. And, and uh, that's been a guiding force for me in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you're, you're honoring Kevin every single day with, uh, with your actions and, you know, just maybe a question on that too. I mean, obviously we, you know the varying degrees of um of uh, tough times that we have from what's going on now to you know losing a family member or uh, much less severely you know going on a losing streak so what types of steps did you take from that you know horrible situation to get yourself to you know start going again and uh you know back on the road to great things again it's just approaching each day um you know waking up each day and and you know, when I was younger, I didn't have great, you know, you, you, you think in a certain way, like I want to do this or that. But for me, even today, uh, you know, I was super fortunate to wake up and work with someone from 730 to 830. And, you know, I have two or three more lessons and how I, I'm just so appreciative that I get to, to work with, you know, these people and these kids and, and just do the best job I can. And like I said, uh, I fail a lot. And but having that attitude, like, okay, learn from it, just move on, just appreciate what you have, and keep going forward. Uh, I just think that's the most important thing. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I mean, gratitude really—it's huge, as you mentioned. You know, I, I think a lot of times when we get mad when we lose a match or something like that, you know, we have to be grateful for things like, you know, we're even able to play tennis, uh, where a lot of people aren't, uh, in their situation. So well, I, I think when you're in the middle of it, you're, you're going to be, feel like you're getting crushed and the world is against you. And, but, you know, without the tough times, you know, the pressure that you face, that's what makes you rise above and makes you you know, become that. So adversity, you know, defines people. And, you know, if you don't go through 
life without adversity, everybody's going to face adversity, just like on a tennis court. You're going to face adversity. How you handle it, how you come out of it it is the most important thing. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, you've done some amazing things in all of your um, places that you've coached. I think you are one of only two coaches to guide three different schools to the NCAA uh, quarterfinals and top five national rankings at USC, Pepperdine, and Fresno State. So, (laughs) tough question, but how does... What were the main principles and approaches that you used to enable you to become successful at so many different places to that high of a level? Because that's obviously extremely difficult uh, to achieve. So how did you do that? Again, you know, I, I don't I don't overthink it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just put my best foot forward every day. You know, for me, I'm I'm extremely competitive. I wanted my players to enjoy and feel that competitiveness. I, I made competition a part of our practice every day. I've never backed down from anybody playing the best, just just going about that and, and just looking at all of these different circumstances as opportunities and, and really incredible, fun experiences. You know, whether we were playing a big match or an NCAA tournament match, I could never win those matches for my players, but I could certainly lose them. So my mindset, my approach to it was so important. And, you know, I just always had enthusiasm. I tried to have enthusiasm, you know, not saying I was uh, always successful, but I always tried to have enthusiasm and in just enjoying that moment that this was a gift, Uh, you know, playing in finals of NCAA tournaments, I would, I always remember those those moments and just remembering that I really believed I, I I believed it to my core that I was the luckiest person in that facility whether who was watching whether it was playing you know I'd be like you know and and I did this in all types of different situations you know just pinch myself this is this is incredible you're you're living the dream and uh to be able to impact others and for people to try and help others is, has always been a very motivating factor for me. Yeah, for sure, Coach Smith. And, um, you know, you've obviously got different facets of the game. You've got uh, strategy, fitness, technique, and the mental game. I was wondering for your players, uh, I know they're they're at a high level, obviously, but can you kind of rank in order, like, which one of those did you do you feel like you focused on the most in developing for them, uh, and then why? I mean, I do think they can all bleed into each other. Mm. Um, I, you know, mental obviously wins it, but mm. you know, if you're if you're not in shape, you, it's very easy to be a coward out there. I think there's a saying around that. You know, weakness, you know, brings out that in you. So you you've got to be physically fit to be able to go the distance. But your mental towards that situation is so important. I remember reading a study where they looked at three different groups and they said, you know, the negative mindset, the positive mindset. Well, they showed that there actually wasn't a huge difference between negative and positive, but actually the group that showed the biggest difference was the group that just was thankful to be in that situation. Mm. Uh, you know, and I always, I always had this stupid thing that I sang in my head. I think songs are important and you know how you go about that is super important and you know, I always sang that Donna Summer song I'm so excited you know just 
when and when I was returning or serving on a big point, you know, I would just try and, and just be excited for that moment. But so, you know, we did a lot of a lot of stuff that was not typical. We played a lot of ultimate frisbee. Mm. Um, you know, just you know, I felt like that developed teamwork. I felt like it, it was very hard physically and you know, so you're you're getting in shape and you're you're doing that, you know, speed work and interval training without even knowing it. And so you, you're trying doing all these little different things. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly had a certain style that I wanted my players to play, but everybody brings their own set of, you know, positives and what they do really well on the court. So you have to build each person's game around what their advantages are and what they do really well. And, but, you know, just, just trying to have that, real collective mindset to to be competitive and enjoy the moment i think is the the most important thing got it coach smith and if you were to be able to speak to your 23 year old self what advice would you give and i mean basically the question here you know it's probably obvious but you know what types of things did you learn uh, all throughout your coaching career that you know maybe you changed uh, since you started uh, coaching well, you know, uh, I read the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, when I was very young. Um, I think if I was be able to talk to my 23-year-old self, which is, is kind of funny because when I was 23, I lived two blocks from where I live now. <laughs> so if, if I were to, you know, be able to, like, walk up to that 23-year-old and say, here, you know, come on, walk two blocks down and take a look at that family. I mean. I would be completely overwhelmed, you know, at the the love that my wife shows me after 31 years that I have three children that are just, we played a board game last night, monopoly type game. I was like, and they were yelling at me because I was on my cell phone too much <laughs> instead of me yelling at them. Uh, you know, I just, you know, just, you just feel like the richest human in the world and, and the luckiest guy in the world. And, you know, there'll always be challenges, but uh, just to enjoy the ride and, you know, to have somewhat of the success that I've had, I, you know, I, I couldn't have dreamed it. And I, I guess, you know, I, I didn't have the c capacity at 23 to be able to dream at the ride that I've had in life. And, you know, look, I'm 56. I, I, I have a lot more plans and a lot more adventures in front of me, but I don't know if I'd, I'd say too much, you know, just, just enjoy it and uh, don't be afraid to dream and have these incredible things. And, you know, I, some of the kids I coach, I, I tell them all the time, like, what are your dreams? Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to dream. You know, it's sometimes it's not a goal, but have those dreams and shoot for those dreams. And, you know, people have said to me, oh, you know, you, you quit playing pro too early. I don't buy into that at all. Uh, it, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have dreamed to have as wonderful a life as I've had. Wonderful. Love to hear that. A couple of questions about, uh, you know, obviously you're coaching, uh, Steve Johnson and Sam Query, which is interesting in itself, uh, you know, together, but curious about kind of a two-parter, like when did you first spot Steve? And then also in particular, what character traits makes him, uh, such a world-class player? 
Well, I met Stevie when he was 12 years old. Incredibly, I remember telling uh, his coach that uh, I didn't tell his dad, but hey, he needs more offense. Mm. Uh, he always had this incredible feel for the for the game, and I think one of the things that made Stevie, you know, made him so great was his love of our team and the fact that he would do whatever it takes to win at our level and 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 supporting the team was the most important thing to him mm. and that team spirit really drove him to his greatness mm. um he just you know he just he just wanted to to rise above and when he was able to compete for something bigger than himself um he was superman mm -hmm. just no doubt about it he was superman to do what he did which has never been done before in college just made him incredible and you know him not wanting to let people down is is a big thing for him and he's an incredible athlete and he you know so that that really just pushed him to to play so much higher than than what he was capable of Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, just very briefly met Steve at like a player's party at the City Open, I think maybe two years ago. It's kind of a funny story because he ended up backing up and uh, stepping on my shoe by mistake. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. And then we talked a little bit of uh, just, you know, one minute. But Steve is uh, just such a fighter and I really love watching him play. Uh, unique in that he, uh, you know, hits a lot of uh, slices that really bite into the court a lot. What have you been working on with Steve in the past maybe year or so as much as you can divulge? I don't know how much you can, but you know, that you think is needed uh, to improve in order for him to, to reach the next level on the tour. Yeah. I, I just think for him being fresh in the situation, him feeling fresh on the court, you know, he's traveled and played a lot over the years and, you know, so you know, what's made him great is his movement his ability to, you know, hit different shots, play from all the different, you know, spots on the court, his serve and first shot, his serve and, and forehand are, are, are just amazing. And, you know, he was able to, you know, take his serve up a notch in the last year and, and just doing that and, and hitting over his backhand, especially on the return, I think is crucial for him. And so he has an incredible two-hander in practice. He just, is more comfortable slicing it and and that actually really helps him in terms of how much spin he puts on the ball so that helps him that is his his left side his backhand side dives down and his 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 forehand side really jumps up mm -hmm. so it's a very different ball and he's able to set up his forehand with that backhand slice uh, but for him, just at this point in his career, is just staying fresh, and uh, you know having that that correct mindset. And this last year was such a different year for all of us, and it was very different for all the professional tennis players. And you know, so you saw a lot of kind of weird results from different people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it must be hell for uh, players with Western grips to hit uh, off of Steve's slice in particular. But yeah, and you know, obviously you, you're also with with Sam. Uh, so just wondering about kind of the dynamic and you know 
maybe any differences in particular in the approach in, in working with uh, Sam versus Steve? Well, Sam and Steve are extremely different people, mm -hmm. uh, but they're great friends and they're both great guys. And so it's a lot of fun when the three of us together and Mark Lucero also helps coach Steve and really going forward will probably be his main coach. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, having more of that team atmosphere for Stevie, I think is, is really important. And, but, you know, Sam and Steve are, are, are they have some similarities uh, with big serves and big forehands, but they're, they're just different people. And, and so coaching them can be very different, but, you know, Sam is just, wow. He can bring it like nobody else with that serve and forehand. And, uh, you know, one of the best serves and one of the best forehands. Yeah, for sure. Um, coach and, uh, you know, I know you have a, a lesson coming up soon, so I'll just maybe one or two more if you have time. Um, but yeah, Mark is great, by the way, I've had him on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's great, uh, in the announcer's booth and whatnot as a commentator, you know, what, what is the hardest part been about, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the current pandemic in regards to uh, just your your coaching and and you know the players dealing with it on tour i mean i think for the players i mean the coaches you know we don't have to perform uh the the players have to perform and you know players win matches um not coaches and you know i think coaches can help you know they can make a you know one to three percent difference i mean on the tour it's smaller um than in college but, you know, I think that the toughest thing for them is just happen. What are you playing for? What's the schedule? You know, everything is still up in the air so much. And, you know, right now the, the first part of the schedule came out, you know, first month and a half. But after that, what is the schedule? What's the world going to look like? You know, before, you know, I mean, players want to know how hard do I push here? How hard do I push there? And, and what's next? And, and, and that just is very uncertain at this moment. Um, so it, that, I think, is the biggest uh, roadblock for all of them. Yeah, 100%. Coach Smith, you mentioned the inner game of tennis. Are there maybe two or three other books that you would gift a friend to help them play better tennis? Well, you know, I, I like a lot of the really successful coaches. You know, Bill Walsh, uh, Let the Scoreboard Take Care of Itself. Uh, that book is like a semester's class. Uh, that guy was a genius, and and that goes along with kind of my thinking. Let the scoreboard take care of itself. You're not in charge of the scoreboard. Don't try and control the scoreboard. You you, you know you control what you can control. Uh, Mike Shashevsky has written some good ones. Bill Jackson is kind of along those lines. You know, having you know what's eleven rings or Phil's book is is incredible. But yeah, you know, just just understanding that. I mean, I, I do think Phil Jackson could coach football and Mike Krzyzewski could coach baseball. And, you yeah. know, great coaches are great coaches. And uh, it's not necessarily about the technical. It's more about the approach and, you know, how people go about it. And creating that mindset and, and that team camaraderie is is everything. For sure. Coach Smith, if you could write a message on a big billboard that's erected in the most populated street near you, uh, what message would you uh, put on that billboard? 
Well, in my neighborhood, I would, I would write, we're all so fortunate. Mm. Um, you know, it's the world is such a crazy place right now compared to five years ago. And, you know, for me, <clears throat> you know, the fact that I'm able to do exactly what I love to do, um, you know, I just, you just feel very, very fortunate uh, to be able to do that. So, you know, count your blessings. You be in charge of your own joy. You're responsible for your joy. You know, nobody else is responsible for your joy. Your wife is not. Your kids are not. They all can help. And no excuses. Just no excuses. So maybe I'd write no excuses. You are in charge of you. That's right, Coach Smith. Where can people follow you uh, to see, you know, what you're up to? Perhaps social media, uh, any particular accounts you'd like people to check out? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't put it out there as much as other people do. You know, I, I've thought about it, but then I think, well, this guy's doing a better Instagram than me. I mean, <laughs> I put a, I put a picture of my dog on on Instagram yesterday, Coach Peter Smith. Uh, it was, it was Floyd's sixth birthday happy birthday uh, we, put a, we put a we put a hat on him a party hat on him he looked pretty pissed off in it uh <laughs> you know i i'm mean, very fortunate to be the general manager and director of tennis at the jack kramer tennis club and mm-hmm. so i'm in here playing behind me but you know i'm i'm gonna go out and teach some lessons and uh you know help lead this club uh through this <laughs> incredibly challenging uh, pandemic we're in right now, but, uh, you know, that's where I am now. And, you know, so just, just hanging out with my, my family and, uh, my wife and, and just doing all that. And, but just playing tennis every day and enjoying that. Love it, Coach Smith. So uh, I know you have to go. So I promise this is the very last question. Uh, cut me off if you have to leave now. But uh, what is one key tip that you can give our audience to help them improve their tennis games? Well, I'm kind of stealing this one from John McEnroe. Uh, watch the ball. Mm. I mean, I just, I just think people focus on so many things that is unimportant on the tennis court. You too many people lose tennis matches, right? They're trying so hard to be great that they can't be good. So watch the ball off your player's racket. Don't lose the match first, even though I never like to speak in negative tones, you know, be, you know, walk before you run, be good before you're great. So, you know, when I first start working with kids, I work a lot on depth, work a lot on patterns that they can make. And then, you know, then you work on, okay, now you're good. You know, we spent three or four or five months being good. Now let's be great. And, and this is what we need to do. But the basic stuff, uh, be good first. And too many people are out there trying to be great. And, you know, in, in tennis, you can kind of visualize hitting a 130 mile an hour serve. It usually doesn't go in, but you get on a basketball court. It's not like you can all of a sudden take the basketball, which is what you see the pros do. So, you know, some of the shots that the pros hit we actually think we can hit but you know a lot of people miss all of the work that goes in before it so uh walk before you can run that's right master the basics well coach smith thanks so much for your time really enjoyed speaking with you uh and you know best of luck obviously uh in 
2021 and beyond. And thanks a lot for all the great advice you gave us. So I uh, appreciate it. Some great questions. Uh, thank you for this time. And uh, everybody out there, take care of yourself and, and hope everyone is, is living the life they want to live. Thanks a lot, Coach Smith. Uh, I know you got to go, but uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll have this up in a couple of days. So thanks, so, thanks so much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed that interview with Coach Peter Smith. And if you did, then I would really appreciate it if you leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app that you use to listen to the show. I just find that Apple Podcasts is the biggest mover of the show in terms of uh, this is visibility and rankings and whatnot. And yeah, you know, the rankings aren't the biggest thing for me. It's more of pushing out um, the uh, information from the podcast to as many people as possible. So Apple Podcasts seems to do that the best. But I uh, definitely would appreciate a, a review in any format that you can provide. So thanks a lot for that. And I also want to leave you with a quote as I do at the end of every show. And this one is by Khalil Gibran. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. But the quote is, progress lies not in enhancing what is, but in advancing toward what will be. Really like that quote there. It's definitely a deep one. <laughs> but with that, thank you so much for listening and keep improving your tennis game. Uh, I've been enjoying playing more singles lately, really enjoying it and uh, just making adjustments to my game, which I've uh, adapted heavily towards doubles lately. It was interesting. I was playing my friend Greg and I was having trouble the first couple of games and I actually ended up standing back, back a couple of feet. And it was able to increase my consistency and really swing out quite a bit. And then it worked out really well. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to, to switch it up sometimes and get back to my roots, which is singles. But yeah, it's kind of a, a random anecdote at the end of this episode, if you will. But yeah, just enjoy the game first and foremost. Be grateful you can play and keep improving. So I'll see you on the next episode. We've got some really fun and informative interviews coming up the pike in the next few weeks and beyond, of course. So have a great one, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is your host, Mirabon Aranchad, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.